Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast where we break down some of the main news headlines in the financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of foreign exchange. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBrew, and I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Market Analyst Roman Zaruk. So this podcast is all about the foreign exchange market. We're going to take a look at some of the main news stories in FX, discuss them, and give our view on what they might mean for currencies going forward. So today's podcast episode, we focus on what's been a busy week or so in central bank meetings among the major economies. The European Central Bank met for its March meeting last week, with investors eagerly awaiting the bank's updated macroeconomic projections and its view on the recent increase in European bond yields. The Federal Reserve also unveiled its latest policy decision on Wednesday this week, along with its quarterly dot plot, which shows where policymakers expect rates to be over the coming three-year period. On Thursday afternoon, the Bank of England also convened for its MPC meeting, with the main focus among investors on the possible timing of the first interest rate hike since the start of the pandemic. And we're going to focus on these three decisions today and give our general thoughts on, on what was announced, as well as the reaction of both FX and fixed income. We're going to start with the ECB, and the main takeaway take really from the meeting was was probably the bank's decision to accelerate or, or front load the pace of asset purchases under its PPP, which is its Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program, as it attempts to rein in rising European bond yields. There was also a pretty sharp upward revision to the 2021 inflation forecast at 1.5%, although the bank sees this as temporary. Starting with the ECB, what do you both make of both the gas comments uh, and the updated economic projections? Well, I, I just I think that in general, if you take like the, all three central banks meetings as, as a whole, it's just extraordinary the the massive change in mentality that central banks uh, those those main three central banks have over have gone through in the last twelve to eighteen months. I mean, we have. Enormous amount of uh, of uh, fiscal stimulus in the pipeline. Uh, we have pent up demand. We and 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 uh, the central banks are telling you explicitly that they don't care about inflation. That they're going to see through any increase in the inflation. They're going to keep rates at zero, and that their goal is maximum employment to the exclusion of inflation. Um, this is again a, a, a massive shift in in the policy stance of central banks, but from what it had been in the last thirty years, maybe forty years, and and I think that that uh, what we're seeing in the the, the, the sell that we're seeing in the bond markets is reflective of of uh, investors slowly coming to terms to, with this new uh, you know brave new world in which central banks are almost telling them, listen, if you buy German bonds, Italian bonds, uh, U.S. bonds, U.K. bonds. We're going to make sure you lose money. That's effectively what uh, what the central banks are telling investors, and that's why we're we're seeing this relentless move up in yields as investors come to terms with that. It's 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 a fascinating move in the markets, I think. Yeah, generally, I think that the meeting was quite interested, interesting, but uh, not because of uh, what they say or what they did, but because of what they didn't do. So uh, they didn't really change the uh, economic forecast when it comes to uh, the GDP. Uh, there was on, only a very minor, uh, minor shift here. And if we compare it to what's uh, what's going on with the Fed and how the Fed's forecast changed, uh, this this really uh, shows what's going on uh, on two sides of the Atlantic. So uh, on the one side. 
side uh, in the eurozone. Uh, we are seeing that the progress on the vaccine is extremely slow and that the accommodation is uh, very uh, needed, both uh, monetary and fiscal, that the eurozone seems to be uh, possibly lacking compared to the US. Uh, and in the United States, the vaccine rollout is extremely rapid. Uh, and actually, this rollout uh, supports uh, the uh, easing uh, of the restriction measures and uh, makes the uh, current economic situation and the uh, forward economic situation uh, appear in a rosier terms. And this has clearly been reflected in the uh, Fed's macroeconomic forecasts. Uh, while in when it comes to the Eurozone forecast, we did see uh, a uh, increase in in the inflation uh, forecast for this year from 1% to 1.5%. But this has very little to do with the expected uh, pressure on the demand side, uh, but uh, more uh, ha having to do uh, with increase in the futures prices uh, uh, for oil. Uh, that has been quite significant. And if we compare the uh, two inputs to the forecasts between uh, March and uh, December, uh, then the difference in the future prices for oil uh, is uh, in 2021 is uh, at uh, around uh, 35%, I think. So it's it's really, really significant. And that, that's what was behind the inflation. So it's not uh, the shift here hasn't really been that positive. The meeting ECB in particular, specifically, I think the meeting was sort of largely as expected. I think the big focus was certainly on this front loading of asset purchases. But if we look at the guard's comments of late since um, since the beginning of the year, really, Lagarde has voiced greater concern than her counterparts over the U in the US or in the UK over rising bond yields. So I think the decision to front load asset purchases where it accelerates um, the pace of purchases in the near term, not really a big surprise. Um, having said that, I agree with you, Roman, the largely unrevised GDP rejections that we had from the ECB did, did seem a bit odd to me, um, mainly due to the sluggish vaccine rollout that we've seen uh, in the EU, and we've had news, of course, lately that the AstraZeneca jab has been suspended in a number of nations in the EU, which is likely to delay reopening further. So I think, if anything, we could see a bit of a downward uh, or downside surprise in growth in the Eurozone this year, which may present a bit of a risk um, to the euro, which is actually, as we'll talk about um, later on, I think, has certainly performed better than I would have expected over the last fortnight or so, particularly against that's, the US dollar. That's, that's, that's something that, that uh, really ha I have seen rel remarkably little attention paid to, the fact that uh, normally there's this spike in US yields, and let's not forget that US uh, uh, in, uh, treasury yields are going up much high, much faster than those in Europe. Normally, this environment is associated with an unambiguously stronger dollar. And what we've seen in this case is stability. The euro is actually holding, if you take into account, how badly Europe is performing in the vaccination race. And the, this massive increase in yields in the US, you would have, in, in any historical context, that would have been positive for the dollar. We should be looking at, at uh, euro dollar rate below 110. And in fact, we're holding on at 119, 120. This is, this is a significant break with, uh, with the historical experience. And I think that, uh, that it, it may herald some changes in the way the market is digesting this this promise from central banks to keep on uh, rates at zero and keep on as de facto printing money, uh, regardless of what inflation does. What do you guys yeah. think about it? No, I agree. I, I think I'm finding this uh, the resilience in the euro, certainly the last week or two, is a little bit hard to explain, um, particularly, as we said, 
vaccine rollout's going very slowly. Um, the US continues to power ahead. Restrictions are a lot um, softer, a lot looser there than they are in Europe. And we're continuing to see this divergence in performance between the US and, and Europe. Uh, and also, um, Chair Powell, of course, we'll talk about um, in a little bit, is appears much less concerned with rising yields um, than his counterpart, Christine Lagarde, which, as you said, yeah, should be positive for the US dollar, negative for the euro. And we've not quite seen that, um, as I said, in the last sort of two weeks or so. So I think we'll, um, we'll move on now and talk specifically about the Federal Reserve meeting um, that took place this Wednesday. Probably the, the main focus prior to the meeting was whether or not Chair Powell would comment on the recent increase in US bond yields. But once again, as we said, he appeared largely unfazed by the moves, saying there was no need to react to the sell-off in treasuries. Uh, on growth, the GDP projection for this year was revised uh, sharply higher, as we expected, from 4.2% to 6.5%. And the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, which is the core C uh, PCE index, um, is also expected to exceed the bank's target this year, although the bank's dot plot um, was left more or less unchanged in December. Just two additional members saw hikes uh, before the end of 2023, which ensures that the median dot was left unchanged. Investors did seem largely convinced by Powell's comments that the Fed would look through temporary increases in inflation with the dollar initially selling off um, against the euro. But, um, as we've been saying, his lack of concern for the move higher in yields has triggered another sell-off in treasuries. If we look at the, the US 10-year, for instance, is now up around 15 basis points for the week to 1.75%. Uh, so again, over to you both. What do you think of, um, f firstly, the Fed's, Fed's announcement, and then again, as we've been saying, what do you think uh, of this sharp move higher that we've seen in US yields um, as a result? I mean, like I said before, I think that it's, it's becoming quickly the, the central focus of market attention. Uh, yields in the US, probably the, the most important uh, number in financial markets worthwhile is the 10-year Treasury yield, which is right now 1.73, still very low historically, uh, still um, around the rate of inflation, so it's nothing worrisome, but the, the move the, from, from, from the lows of below 1% has been really remarkable. And um, it's just, uh, in, 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 when it comes to, to evaluating yesterday's performance by the Fed, it's just, uh, that didn't add anything new to what we knew, but it certainly confirms this extraordinary change in, in attitude of uh, developed market central banks and their willingness to to uh, to run to and they're, they're not just willing but even eager to let inflation run above targets it's um, I frankly wouldn't expect the seller to stop here I think that it's very difficult to justify from from a returns perspective holding I don't know seven year treasury bonds at 1.4 percent when the Federal Reserve has told you explicitly that they're targeting inflation well above two. Yeah, generally, I think that uh, the Fed did a rather good job yesterday with uh, calming the market, at least for a, a short term, because I uh, remember that uh, some, some markets were uh, market uh, observers uh, have been uh, very uh, have, have been anticipating this meeting and the mood was uh, rather tense before it. But afterwards, uh, we saw some uh, rally in the euro dollar. We saw some uh, uh, increase, decrease in the uh, U.S. bond yields. So uh, I think that the Fed did a rather a good job yesterday. I was also pleased with the economic forecasts. As I mentioned, uh, uh, they differ significantly from the eurozones. 
and the Fed right now is basically a significant increase uh, in the GDP in 2021 uh, to above 6% compared to around 4% earlier, and also a uh, more significant decrease in the unemployment rate uh, in the uh, next few years. Uh, and this has been in large part, uh, I think, uh, due to the uh, vaccination efforts. Uh, when it comes to the bond deals, uh, I also uh, agree that the only way for them right now is up. But I think that the market, to some extent, is testing the Fed, uh, the Fed's patience uh, with the way that the bonds are selling off, really. Uh, so uh, because the, the moves that we have witnessed uh, since uh, late February on a number of occasions, at least three, uh, they have been uh, rather sharp. And uh, some people, although the Fed uh, or Jerome Powell doesn't seem to uh, be one of those people, uh, would think that they were uh, somewhat disorderly. So uh, I'm more interested not in the direction of the yields, uh, because it's uh, relatively clear to me that they're going up, but in whether we are going to have more uh, such an episode uh, where the yields are uh, just jumping by by, uh, well, let's say 10 uh, basis points a day, uh, and uh, this causes some uh, unease in the markets. Uh, this is more important to me. And uh, if such occurrences will happen, uh, then I, I think that some reaction from the U.S. authorities, monetary authorities, uh, should probably come going forward. No, I would agree with that, um, certainly. Uh, I think we didn't see any comments from Powell uh, yesterday that like we saw from President Lagarde last week is regarding um, bond yields. But as you said, I think if we do start seeing more pronounced moves higher in yields, and I think perhaps maybe at an unscheduled meeting, we might see some comments from from Powell um, that, that could potentially suppress yields. Um, another aspect of the meeting, of course, was the Fed's dot plot, um, which was uh, obviously going into the meeting was one of the main focal points for investors and uh, and the bank pretty pretty much made it clear that there'll be no hikes for the foreseeable future. I think there were some sections of the market that thought that we could see um, the median dot um, revised higher to show hikes before the end of 2023. But um, Powell has made it clear that, that the bank will overlook temporary increases in inflation. If we look at the, the, the PCE index, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, that has been below the 2% target for some time now, uh, over two years, two and a half years or so. So I think it would probably take a pretty prolonged uh, period of time where inflation goes above target for the Fed um, or for this measure to average 2% over time, um, which, of course, is the Fed's mandate. So I think temporary above target inflation um, shouldn't be too much of a cause for concern. And I don't think it will be um, for the Fed um, just yet. Okay, so why don't we wrap up with uh, one of our well-received buy, sell or hold segments? And I will start. I would, I, would, I would suggest that we do that on the entire emerging market currency universe as a whole. Uh, at this point, would you buy, sell, or hold emerging market currencies? Um, I would definitely buy. I am being very encouraged by the fact that, that we've seen this enormous move in relative terms in U.S. rates to the upside without really any uh, significant impact on on emerging market currencies, which is still near their highs since the pandemic began, but very attractive historically if you go further back in history. So I'm definitely a buy in emerging market currencies. How about you? I would, I would certainly agree. I'd be on the same page. I think 
obviously the lower rates remain, uh, the longer rates remain low among the major um, economies, the better that is for emerging market currencies. And central banks, as we've been saying, particularly the major ones, the Fed, ECB, as we'll talk about in a little bit, the Bank of England, have all signalled that rates are going to be unchanged for the foreseeable future, and they're pushing back on market bets in favour of higher rates anytime soon. So I think I think that, accompanied with the general recovery we expect, certainly in the second half of this year, once vaccines are rolled out, which should be supportive of risk assets, as should the increase in commodity prices. I, I'm still very optimistic about emerging market currencies. I also am optimistic about the emerging market currencies this year. But a very big discrepancy uh, between a particular uh, emerging market uh, currencies or emerging market groups right now. So uh, we are seeing, for instance, that the Asian currencies are well, performing so-so uh, and Latin American ones likewise. But uh, the European, the Eastern European currencies, uh, they have been selling off like, like crazy uh, for a, a good few weeks. Uh, and if we look at the countries like Hungary or Poland, uh, we are right now at the highs uh, when it comes to the Euro Zloty or, or the Euro Foreign. And those are the levels that have uh, that seem to justify uh, buying those currencies at this point but also on the other hand uh, they don't uh, they, they are there because uh, for a reason and the reason is that the uh, coronavirus situation is deteriorating in those uh, geographies and deteriorating rather significantly so uh, our uh, view on the emerging market as a whole is positive and uh, some uh, levels that those currencies are seem to justify buying them, but I would still stress that uh, the coronavirus uh, risk is present and uh, in many uh, of uh, the emerging market currency spectrum, in many places we have we seem to have forgotten, forgotten about it, but uh, in, in case of the Zloty or Hungary, uh, or in case of the Polish Zloty, Hungary and foreign or the Czech Corona, this risk, this risk materialized uh, recently. Uh, so I would, uh, I would still uh, have that in mind uh, because uh, this could potentially happen in other geographies going forward, depending on the vaccine progress and depending on the uh, virus mutations. Okay, so I think we'll, um, we'll wrap up now. We're just talking briefly about um, the Bank of England, which of course would be interest to our UK listeners. Uh, the Bank of England obviously met on Thursday afternoon. There wasn't too much report to report from the MPC. Um, policy was left unchanged. There was no updated economic projections for investors, as I guess. The, the main takeaway was probably the bank's still rather downbeat tone over the, the, the near-term outlook, which was a little bit of a surprise given the UK's rapid vaccine rollout. Uh, now, my initial thoughts anyway on this is um, I think this was probably an attempt to, to calm bets in favour of interest rate hikes prior to the meeting, uh, investors were pricing in a 15 basis point hike before the end of 2022, which to me was um, a little bit of an overreaction. The UK's vaccine programme is, of course, going well, which is likely to allow a sharp, sharp bounce back in activity starting in the second quarter and becoming more pronounced in the second half of the year. But I think there remain a number of clear uncertainties, and, and much like the Fed, um, the Bank of England appears as though it will look through temporary increases in inflation. Uh, in favour of supporting growth. So uh, Sterling may not get too much assistance from the Bank of England this year, but at the same time, I I don't think the monetary policy will act against the pound either. Um, But what do you both think about the Bank of England announcement today and and your outlook for Sterling uh, and the UK in general? Uh, I mean, I think that uh, the the question is how much longer the the support from the South performance 
in the vaccine rollout can last for the uh, the UK. Um, I think that uh, we keep hoping that or waiting for that that gap between the UK and the Eurozone in vaccination to close, but it just doesn't seem to. And I think that that's that's what's provided this continuous rally of sterling versus the euro. Um, at this point, I'm I'm going to pass on making a forecast if you guys will allow me, because while while it is true that. The gap in performance and vaccination remains. It's also true that we are at very, very lofty levels in the sterling euro. I'm going to hold on sterling. If you yeah, I also don't have a very strong view on sterling uh, because uh, we saw a very uh, significant rally since the beginning of the year on vaccinations. And this has brought the sterling to uh, levels that uh, we, we saw uh, a year or so ago. And uh, this has been a very sharp rally, uh, basically after a few quarters of a relatively flat performance against the euro. And uh, that's true that the gap in vaccinations is not closing. In fact, it, it is increasing uh, because of what's going on with AstraZeneca uh, in, uh, in the eurozone. Uh, so, uh, technically, uh, there could be uh, some potential for the further uh, pound uh, appreciation based on that, but considering how much it already gained uh, and considering how uh, well the euro is performing in the, uh, in the face of all of the negative factors that we have touched on, uh, I would be very cautious to make a, a sterling euro prediction right now. Yeah, I think if you consider at the same time, we've also got... Um, the UK government came out yesterday and said that the supply of the vaccine of vaccines in, in the UK is expected to slow quite considerably in the month of April. Yeah, I think that could we could see a little bit of an unwinding in some of the sterling bets, um, particularly as you said against the euro. And that just about does it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the currency markets, visit Ebury's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app and let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear more on during upcoming podcasts. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a week's time. Thank you all very much for listening.